Goedemorgen. Good morning, everyone. I'm still saying, in a few months, this is going to be an Afrikaans congregation. Hey? Yeah? <laughs> uh, no, guys. So, yeah, it's been it's 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 quite interesting. This is now obviously my first time preaching as as leading Weinberg, and I just realized with a shock this week that instead of preaching once a term or once every six months, I'm probably going to preach <laughs> like once a month or twice a month. So. Please pray for grace. <laughs> uh, yeah, this week has been quite hectic. Um, just like I was man down, I had infection, like booked off, and then Eliana had a fever, and then Lana wasn't feeling well, and then in the midst of that, I was trying to prepare, you know, for this morning. But really, just in the midst of all that, really just felt God's grace. And I don't think, and I mean, I'm not saying it's going to be good. I, I hope it is. Yes. But God gave me just so much grace, like... So, what did I say? Sunday, obviously. Yesterday morning, I was just sitting in bed, and I just said, okay, Lord, what do you want to say tomorrow? And God just, it felt he just down- downloaded something. And, it, and I mean, normally it's quite, for me, just because I don't preach often, it's obviously quite a difficult muscle to flex just because of time and stuff. But it just felt like God just put everything together. So I was really just so encouraged by that. Yeah, and actually, just before I start, just want to say, I am really super excited for what God has for Weinberg. I've just been praying for the congregation, praying for you guys, just for this next season, and I'm really excited. I really have faith that God wants to do incredible things. Um, I've been part of this family for nine years, yeah, and just want to say, I really love each and every one of you. I'm really praying for, for each and every one of you that God would really just grow you and that you will walk in what God has, has for you. And also, just want to say that, I mean, it's a massive journey, but when I got saved 13 years ago, I felt God called me for ministry, and I had to lay the thing down, obviously became a teacher, um, but always in my heart, I always did carry that God would possibly want to use me for ministry one day, and I'm not going to lie, it came a lot earlier than what I expected, <laughs> but I do feel God's call. Um, yeah, and just to, to say, you know, God leads the, the our church. Like, we are an eldership team, and as we follow God, he, he does what he wants to do. And I realize that I'm going to make mistakes. I mean, I am going to make mistakes. Um, but I really want to ask you guys to really follow me and the other elders as we walk with God, and really just to give your hearts, yeah, and just to, to follow us as we as we pursue God and as we make Christ known and actually to know him. Would you guys do that with me? Okay. Super excited. Okay. <clears throat> so, this morning, the title of my message is Devoted to the Fellowship. What does it look like to be devoted to the fellowship? And my hope with this morning is that I'll be able to hopefully take a few threads that's been preached into, into our context for this last few weeks and then all, try to pull them together, and then from there point us forward to what I feel God's calling us to. Um, also, hopefully this morning I'll be able just to kind of steady the um, ship, because I do realize, you know, with me taking over, Ross leaving, it's a bit of a transition, and it might um, cause some of us to just kind of feel unstable, and I'm really trusting that this morning God to just use this message just to kind of steady the ship, point us forward, Look at what God's been saying to us, pull that together, and then say, let's run after him. So, when I say I want to pull a few threads together, I'm referring to Andrew Selly, 
And for those that don't know, Andrew Silly is the guy that leads Josh Jane. Um, he planted Josh Jane in 1999. He also leads the apostolic field that, that we are part of, God 412, and that is the conference that Jeff mentioned. So he, he asked all the, all the Josh Janes just for the next season not to listen to any outside voices outside of our field, outside of 412, and also just to cut out any other winds of the doctrine, you know, like YouTube preachers, essentially. Um, and really just to, to read the word. So he felt like we're in a season where there's a lot of wolves, there's a lot of deception. We listen to people that we don't know. Um, and, you know, like doctrine, like 99% of what people can say can be true. And then there's this one deception, and that causes us to actually, we can actually then drift. So he just asked, like, for the next season that we really just focus on reading God's word if you want to listen to stuff, listen to stuff on the 412 website and really just kind of shut down what, what we listen to. So I'm referring to that. I'm referring to Ross, who used to lead our church, who is in Amanda's now, Tough Life. Um, he preached a few weeks ago, he preached on how knowledge puffs up. So how we are in a society where like, everyone is looking for knowledge. We're looking for inside access special revelation type things and how knowledge actually can puff up, puff us up, but love builds up. And now, actually, God's called us to love because love builds up. Um, Dion Del Port, I don't know if you guys remember him. He, he was here a few weeks ago and his message was no random citizen, how God has called each and every one of us to play a part in his kingdom, that we are living stones built into this house and without each and every one of us contributing, loving, being devoted, um, we, God can't actually do what he wants to do through us. And one of these kind of quotes, which I thought was amazing, he said, <clears throat> God's kingdom is not built on the gifts of a few, but on the sacrifices of many, which was so profound for me. Like we don't build on someone in front who is the anointed one with all the gifts. Actually, it requires all of us to sacrifice and to disciple and to walk with people. And then lastly, Mark Dufay preached last week on living in the Word, finding wisdom in the Word, being intimate with God through the Word. So those are the few things which I just hopefully, like I say, be able to pull together and then point us forward for this next season. Happy? Does that make sense? So the first scripture, so I just want to get a... So the first scripture that we're going to look at, and this is a bit cliche, I do apologize, but it's Acts 2 verse 42, which we've heard a million times, but very powerful. So it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. And I'm actually going to stop right there because I want to focus on that word fellowship. So that word fellowship in Greek, who knows what it means in Greek? Do we have any, do we have any theology guys here? Koinonia, it means koinonia. And koinonia in a New Testament context, it means community, it means communion, joint participation, sharing, and intimacy. But it does not speak about doing that stuff with yourself, obviously. It speaks about in the fellowship, in the family of God, being in community uh, joint participation, sharing, being intimate with one another, 
etc. So that, that is what the, that word fellowship means. And then also I just want to add this more life on the vault at our hub leaders camp at the start of the year. He labeled fellowship like this, which was also such a beautiful definition for me. He said, fellowship means it's friends on a mission together. And that is ex exactly what we are, right? We are friends who we've, and we felt God calling us to, to this family. And as we are part of this family, God gives us a mission. And I'm going to speak about a part of what I feel God's, God's called us for. So essentially, that word fellowship or koinonia actually just means being the, and it says there, being devoted to fellowship. In other words, being devoted to us, to this family, to brothers and sisters within our context, right? And that is, that's quite, a, I mean, that can be quite a hard word because obviously these days, you know, the culture around us screams, live for yourself, make your own profit, do your own thing, look after your own, only your own family, but actually, the Bible, Jesus actually called us to be devoted to one another, actually. Um, so, what does it look like to be devoted to the fellowship to, or to us as, as a family? And there's a lot of things the Bible do, does say about loving one another, about how we should love one another. What does it look like? I'm just thinking in 1 John where it says, when your brother lacks something, it's not, it's, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but it essentially says, it's not actually worth just praying for him. Actually help him, physically help, help, help his needs. That's a way that we can love people. And there are many other ways. But this morning I felt like sharing out of a specific passage just about what it means to be devoted. It's, you know, it's, it's quite an intense passage, but it's, a, it's great. It's Philippians 2, verse 11, 1 to 11. <clears throat> so what I want to do is I just want to read through it, and then I want to almost break, break it down. So take two verses at a time and just have a look at, at what it says. So let's start. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. This is now Paul speaking to this church. Having the same love, being in one spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the, the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Such a beautiful passage, eh? So, what I want to do, let's, yeah, let's go, go th um, through it section by section. So first, verse 1 and 2. So if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion. So that speaks about our relationship with God. That speaks about being united with Him, knowing Him, walking with Him, receiving His love. So that is kind of vertical and and. And then verse 2, it says, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. Like-minded with who? 
with one another. Having the same love, being in one spirit and purpose. Just, 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 just keep it there. Does that not speak about being devoted? As we are devoted to God, as we find encouragement from being united with Him, it's in other words, the, the gospel, what Jesus did for us. As we find comfort in His love, as we walk with, with the Spirit, fellowship with the Spirit, then out of that place, we make Paul's joy complete by being like-minded with one another, having the same love as we have with Christ for one another. And we, we can look at what does that, that love looks like, being in one spirit and purpose. And that is so profound for me because we, being in one spirit and purpose, some translations would say this one mind, that doesn't mean we're all going to think the same and we're all going to do the same and we're all going to process things the same. It just means we, we, we know that God, God has called us here and we know what he's called us for, and we all run off after that thing. That's what being one-minded looks like. Um, <clears throat> sorry, my throat. Yeah, and, and th- that for me just means being, yeah, just being devoted to being like-minded and to running to, together. And then verse 3 and verse 4. And this, I mean... To be honest, I've made it like God has taken me back to these two scriptures for many months now. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. I mean, just we can actually just stop and go home because. <laughs> um, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Now, selfish ambition. What does that mean? Just looking out for yourself, right? Just going, what do I need? What do I want? How can I look after myself? Um, and in vain, vain conceit, in the ESV, it uses the word vain glory. Um, and vain glory essentially means glorifying someone or something other than God, right? Because the Bible teaches that all glory should go to Him. So vain glory essentially means, in this context, it will mean to glorify yourself, actually. So vain glory, instead of glorifying God through what we say and what we do and how we live, we actually glorify ourselves, and it's vain. Um, so, yeah, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain glory. In other words, giving yourself glory, looking after yourself. But in humility. Now, humility doesn't mean you go, oh, you know, woe is me. I'm just, you know, just a pawn. God can use me however he wants. That's not what it means. Humility just means, um, I wrote it down, I thought it was quite good, to be honest. Not thinking less of yourself to walk in what God has, has called you to walk in, but thinking of yourself less. So not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. And even that is so countercultural, right? Like everything that we watch and read, social media, the news, programs, everything screams at us to not think of yourself less, right? And there's nothing wrong with being healthy. There's nothing wrong with eating, you know, proper food and exercising and stuff like that. But so, but there's, 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 there's balance. And so often people just live on themselves. How can I look better? How can I be better? How can I be more healthy? How can I earn more money? How can I, you know, my hobbies, like all those things. It's not bad, but we just have to be careful because um, it's act- 
like it's actually pride, like you're thinking of yourself, actually, and you, and you think you're only about yourself. And actually, in humility, just actually realizing that God has called me for something bigger than myself. So just actually going, I'm going to think of myself less. Is that good? Okay. <coughs> Thanks, guys. So encouraging. <laughs> um, each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. So how can I make sure that my brothers and sisters are walking and in what God has for them? Because that's their interest. That doesn't speak about their earthly interest. That doesn't speak about, I mean, we disciple people through stuff. But, like, I'm not, I'm not interested in Jeff's interest in terms of him living in a bigger house and driving a nicer car and earning more money. That's not what that interest speaks about. It speaks about kingdom interest. How can I make sure that my brother or my sister is walking in what God has for them? How can I make sure that they walk in the destiny and the plans and the purposes that is on his or her life? That is what those, that is what that word interest means. It's not worldly interest. Like, I mean, we disciple people through finances, but there is a sense that it doesn't really matter how much you earn, or it doesn't really matter what car you drive, or how big your house is. How can I encourage you and point you towards Jesus? And actually, if I need to have a, like, I mean, love comes in different forms. And sometimes we have tough conversations with, with people, that's necessary. Sometimes we encourage people, that's necessary. All these things should point us to Jesus. And in the end of the day, this scripture actually says, how can I make sure that you walk in what God has for you instead of making sure that I walk in what God has for me? And that's quite scary, eh? Because we all want to, I mean, hopefully, we all want to walk in what God has for us. But the, the way that we do that is not, is not focusing on ourselves. It's actually focusing on others. And as we make sure others walk in what God has for them, somehow through his grace and the mysteries that, that, that is God, we actually end up walking in what God has for us. And I also, I mean, this is not in my notes, but I just, I, I just want to say, like, you will never walk in what God has for you if you don't live for other people. And that's hard to hear because, again, we live in a culture where, where people say it's me and the Holy Spirit. I mean, Lisa was you know, saying how in the UK, and this happens in South Africa, obviously, as well. People don't, uh, uh, don't agree with the elders or don't agree with what happens at church, and then they form their own thing. But actually, God has called us to, to actually sometimes not agree. And, there is, and we are family. Relationships are messy. Church is messy. But if, if you feel like God's called you for stuff, you, will, you, you, you won't walk in that if you don't put others above yourself, if you don't serve others. And that's hard to hear, but it's the truth, and it's biblical. Um, okay. Then, verse 5. Or 5 and 6, sorry. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Um, and this example, so oh, this example, obviously, the context of, of Jesus looking at, at how Jesus went to the cross, obviously verse 1 and 2, 3 and 4 speaks about, Paul speaks about putting others' interests above yourselves, not having selfish ambition. So, <clears throat> so the example of, 
of Jesus is in the context of how we, are, how we relate to one another, right? So, so this context here is obviously in church, like Paul is writing to a church. So this is not just we, we look at Jesus and then, oh, what he did is great. We, we look at Jesus and, and go, how can we be like that in this body? How can we be like that in this context? Because that is the context of, of this letter. Um, and I mean, th- this is pro- I mean, this is profound. So it says that Christ did not imagine having equality with God in the sick, which he already possessed. So that's, I mean, just think about this, right? Jesus was equal with God. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he is God, but you know what I mean? And he laid that down, in a sense. He laid the privilege of, of being equal with God down for our sake. So how often do we have privilege? And, and how, how often do we have things that we are not willing to lay down for, for others, right? Um, yeah, I just, just want to write, just, just read my note here. It says, Christ did not, having, did not, Christ did not imagine having equality with God should lead him to hold on to his privileges at all costs. He, he's, he surrendered that, right? And so should we. We shouldn't hold on to our privileges and me and myself and my family at all costs, but actually, actually, he actually laid it down for our sake. And then that um, equality with, uh, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. And that grasped for me like the picture that I see is grasping for something that's not yours, right? Grasping for stuff that you have no, it's actually, yeah, it's not actually yours to grasp. Um, and a lot of times when we grasp at stuff in, in, in the flesh, it actually, it doesn't turn out well, right? So we'll see something um, or we'll want something even, and we can, we can mask it with, you know, I'm just spiritual or, or something like that. But when we grasp for stuff in God's kingdom, it's actually, you're actually sowing into the flesh. And the Bible says, whoever sows in the flesh will reap destruction, right? So, how often in our own hearts do we have selfish ambition? You might want leadership or you might want people to see you. You might want to be in the worship band so people can see you play or whatever it is. I mean, it's, it, it can be very subtle. But how often do we grasp at, at that? We actually, if we consider Jesus, he didn't grasp at being equal with God, right? Um, it was not something to be grasped to be kept and exploited for his own interest or advantage. So whenever you want to know if you're grasping at something, ask yourself, is this for my interest and is, is, is this going to be to my advantage? And if it is, then you're probably grasping. You're probably wanting something that, that, that is not yours. But actually laying your privileges down for the sake of, of others. Yeah, Christ had a mindset of service, right? He did not please himself. And we should, we should be the same. In humility, he counted others more important than himself. And this is now the thing with humility. Christ knew who he was, right? He knew who he was. But again, that thing of, um, shucks, what did I say? What was my line with humility? Hmm? Yeah, yeah, he knew he was. Not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Yeah, but because Christ knew who he was. 
And then verse 7 and 8. <clears throat> but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Even though Christ had all the privileges as king of the universe, he gave them up to become an ordinary human bound for the cross. And in our lives, the cross means to deny ourselves, not to walk in our flesh, not to grasp at things, and we should be like-minded. Like even though we have all the, all the privileges in God, even though we are you know, blessed with every spiritual blessing, even though we know that God has a plan and a place and a purpose for us, in a sense, to actually give all that stuff up for the sake of others, because that's what he did. I um, don't want this to come across as heavy. I am actually, this is actually, it should be encouraging, <laughs> because God's called us to be devoted. Okay? <laughs> uh, and we should have the same mindset, not holding on to our privileges just for our sake, but loving people and giving ourselves and our privileges to others. And if you read in the early church in Acts, it speaks about how people laid everything down for the sake of, of others. And in verse 9 to 11, Therefore, because of what Jesus did, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every time confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Um, Christ's, re Christ's reward was to please the Father and for the Father's glory. In a sense, his reward was in heaven, right? So Jesus knew that on earth he's not going to get a reward, right? But he knew that he was doing the Father's will and that he was pleasing the Father. And we must actually also think, think like this. We are devoted to this fellowship and we love people as we think of what is to come and our reward being with the Father, right? So we, we don't live for, for this world. We don't... We're not devoted to one another. We don't love one another for what we can hopefully get here in this lifetime. But we love one another and we're devoted to one another because we know that our reward is in heaven with, with the Father. Just, just like Jesus knew his reward was, was um, not on earth. God didn't promise Jesus the kingdom or a mansion or the palace or whatever. Jesus knew that when he goes up to the Father, God is going to re reward him. And we see how God did, actually. Can you two just always sit in front when I preach, please? That'd be great. <laughs> um, so, as we, as we love one another, because let's, let's be honest, it is hard to love people, right? Who here finds it easy to always love people? Nice girl. <laughs> sometimes it's easy, and sometimes it's hard, you know? Um... But if we know that God has called us to do this, if we know that our word is with him one day, hopefully that stir our, us up to, to, actually, you know, to actually love people. So my question is, how do we do this? Because obviously this seems humanly in, in, impossible, right? I mean, like in the world that we live to today, to tell people to live down your life, to love others, to be devoted to others, sounds so like, but what about me? What, what about, you know, what God has for me? 
And I actually just want to go back to Acts 2, verse 37. So this is obviously before Acts 2, verse 42, and we often quote Acts 2, verse 42 to 47. But this is, this is like Acts 2, verse 42 is a result of what happened obviously before then. So just to give you context, the Holy Spirit filled the disciples. Peter started to preach. And then it, the Bible says about 3,000 people got saved a day. So just imagine. Just imagine going from, I don't know how many people, 12 people, whatever, to 3,000. Like in a day. I mean, who discipled them? Who, you, you know what I mean? Um, so after, after Peter preached, this was the response. And it says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And then the story goes on, they, they repented, they got baptized. And then it says in verse 42, they devoted themselves. So people devoted themselves because they were cut to the heart. The Holy Spirit convicted them, and the Holy Spirit gave them a devotion for one another. And this is super important. No one forced them to be devoted. There were no external laws or anything like that that said you have to be devoted. Like people were convicted by the Spirit of God to live for something bigger than themselves and to be devoted to one another. It can't, it can't be, like if it's external, it's not sustainable. Somewhere you get tired, you crash, and you're burned. But when it's from the inside, when it's the Holy Spirit convicting us, He gives us the grace and the love. And that's super important because sometimes we focus on Acts 2 verse 42, and it's great, but that doesn't happen without the Holy Spirit. And that is not a once-off thing. That, like we... We have to continually go, go back to that because, because we are human, we drift. And because we are human, we start to look at things through fleshly eyes. But each time we get together, each time um, we spend time with God, He, he does the, the, the convincing, He does the con convicting, and He gives us a love for each other. It doesn't happen any other way. If it happens any other way, it's flesh and it's not going to last. Because I'm sure that um, even for them, I'm sure that they were tough times. It, I mean, except the fact that they got, you know, they were scattered and, and people were trying to kill them. Just being in each other's homes and just being devoted to one another wasn't always easy. I mean, that's how the first deacons were appointed, right? If you read in Acts 6, some of the women, I think, or widows, weren't getting food. And then the apostles appointed deacons to sort it out. So it wasn't always easy. It's not, it's not always easy with us, right? But because God convicted them, because the Holy Spirit was in them, they, they were able to, to push through and to love people. And we must likewise be devoted. So I, 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 I want to end with this. <clears throat> 1 John 4 verse 19. We love because He first loved us. So it's super important that the foundation or the source out of which we love people should be um, proper or, or correct. So out of a place of being loved by God, out of a place of knowing God's love for us and we loving God, we actually can love one another. And if that is not the source, then you're going to run dry, you're going to be tired, um, you're going to get um, deceived maybe, or, or feel like this is not what God's called me to do. But as we 
walk with God, and this is what Mark Dufay was speaking on last week. As we walk with God, as we find him in, in our quiet times, as we read the word, um, he caused the overflow of being intimate with him, of knowing the love of the Father, of loving him, the overflow of that will be to love other people. It, it must always be like that. It's out of a love for God that I love people. It's out of, out of devotion to God that I'm devoted to you. It's out of service to God, Him, uh, knowing that He's called me for this, that I'm able to do. And this is for, for each and, and every one of us. Um, and, and you know, like often we speak about vision. Like what is God's vision like for my life? Like, like what has God, God called me to? And I do, I mean, I know that for each one of us, there's a specific plan and purpose that God has for us. De- like, definitely. And as we walk with Him, He does that in us. But I want to say, that's only half of what God has for us. The other half is actually your, your, your vision in life. What God has called you in life to do is to love people. To be an ordinary Christian, to love God and to love people, is a message of the Bible. And that is what He's called us to do. And in John, it actually says that this is how, the, how people will know that you are my disciples. By loving one another, the love that you have for one another. So there's a mystery where as we love one another, as we are devoted to one another, people walk into this church and go, I've never seen this before. Where does, like, why do you, like, do, do, you, do you guys get paid? Or, you know, like, how do you, how do you love people? And that's a testimony to, to, to God loving us, and, and we actually um, loving God. Does it make sense? That's good. So, in the next three weeks, you know, we obviously said we, we're stopping comms. Um, we obviously don't have, have, I mean, except for when you have an amazing person like Shiloh who's willing to take the kids. We've stopped Kids Church for a while, and I really want each and every one of us in these next three weeks to really find God in your own time. I mean, obviously, hang, hang out with, with people, but the value that, 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 that's happening here is that we want guys to rest, to spend time with their families, catch your breath. Because out of that place, out of walking with God, out of being intimate with Him, when we come back in three weeks, we're going to run hard, guys. Like, there's an evangelism drive coming up. We want to see people get saved. Um, the 412 conference is coming up. We, we are the people that are devoted to the apostolic. Um, so in these next three weeks, really find God and ask him to refresh your soul, stir your heart to love people. Um, so I, I want to encourage you to find God in your own walk. And out of that place, we will love the fellowship and we will give ourselves to others. Make sense? That's all I have. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm never quite sure how to land, so um, just, just want to end, just wanna end, end, end with this. I don't want it to come across like this is a fairy tale and that, you know, I get it right all the time because I don't. And there's, a, I know, I know, it's shocking. Um, and there's obviously a lot of moments that I can mention where people have loved me. I mean, even just in this transition, like people have been amazing just with, with loving us and giving us words and encouraging us and stuff. And there's many, many moments that I can mention of people loving me and I loving people. But I've just realized this, this is a marathon, not a sprint. God has called us 
not to run hard for 100 meters and then we're done, but actually walk with people day by day, slow and steady. Um, God has actually called us to love one another for the rest of our lives, right? And we won't always get this right. That's the other thing, guys. I've, I often have to go back to God and say, oh, God, I'm so frustrated with this person, or the way that I dealt with that wasn't right, or, or whatever it is. And I have to ask God for His grace and His love so that I can love other people. And I want to say, God has so much grace for us. Okay, there's so much grace for us in, in this. Because it's God's way. And because it's God's way, <coughs> He equips us and he, he gives us the grace. And I want to say, believe it or not, but the church is quite messy. And relationships are quite messy. Um, so just have grace for yourself and have grace for each other, right? If people, if someone offends you, give them the benefit of a doubt. I mean, speak to them if you have to. But because we are brothers, in, in, like, we are friends, but the Bible tells us that we are brothers and, and, and sisters. And with brothers and, and sisters, it goes deeper. Just, you know, like with friends, it can be very, like, like superficial. Thank you. I'm Afrikaans. Superficial. But brothers and sisters, we're in each other's homes. We get to know one another. We see each other in our worst times. We walk with each other in our best times. We have grace for one another, and we love one another. And you just do what God's called you to do.